Josh here with the IDP show. Now, look, if you know anything about our show, you know we're three mid-30s dads rolling into the Shack every week at about 9 p.m. to record a fantasy football podcast. We've got kids, we've got jobs, so we are worn out when it comes time to record, which is why I'm excited to share about our newest sponsor. It is Liquid IV, which is the category-winning hydration brand fueling your well-being, and their hydration multiplier is the one product you're missing in your daily routine. Y'all, in just one stick, you get five essential vitamins and two times faster hydration than water alone. Use this first thing in the morning, before a workout, when you feel run down, after a long night out. So what do we love about Liquid IV? Convenient packaging, you just rip the top off and pour it into your water, shake it up and you're ready to go. Comes in a bunch of amazing flavors. I love strawberry lemonade and watermelon are my two favorite. And one stick of liquid IV and 16 ounces of water hydrates you two times faster and more efficiently than water alone. 12 delicious flavors. I mentioned a couple. They're refreshing. They're going to keep your hydration routine exciting so it's not the same old flavor time and time again. It contains five essential vitamins, y'all. Listen to these B vitamins. B3, 5, 6, 12, and vitamin C. It's got three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks made with premium ingredients. It's non-GMO, free from gluten, dairy, and soy. Liquid IV, they believe that equitable access to clean and abundant water is the foundation of a healthier world. So they partner with leading organizations for innovative solutions to help communities protect both their water and their futures. To date, Liquid IV has donated, listen to this y'all, over 39 million servings in 50 plus countries around the world. So we are very excited to partner with them. And if you want to try it out, you can get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use our code IDPSHOW at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code IDPSHOW at liquidiv.com. Check it out and tell them the IDP Show sent you. This is the IDP After Show. Welcome back to Johnny the Greek's Cornerback Corner. This is the Week 9 Audio Edition. How's everybody doing? Happy Halloween. Hope y'all had a good holiday. Apologies for this being out a little bit later than usual. I was doing a bit of uh, trick-or-treating myself with... uh, kid I've volunteered with for about seven years now. It's part of anyone that knows me as a, a writer or a podcast around these parts for the last five, six, seven years knows that I am a person in recovery and part of my recovery is giving back to others. It helps me stay on the street narrow. And part of that is volunteering with this uh, autistic kid every week. We went uh, trick-or-treating. It was excellent. We had a good time and it, it was really good stuff. But Tuesday night is a prime writing night slash recording night, trying to get out in front of waivers and whatnot. A little bit later on the audio in the article this week, so apologies on that, but we still got you covered here. So let's get into it. Let's talk first about what happened with week eight, then we'll look forward to this current week nine and get you all set up for the best streaming corner options that there are. 
All right. So last week I had 76 total calls in the written article. That's start decisions, what size league, et cetera. Four of those were injured or inactive, giving us 72 adjusted calls. I had 81% accuracy on those 72 calls. I believe it was something like 59 correct, something like that. So another really good week of 80% plus accuracy, just a spectacular season so far. Last week in the written version, we also had 47% of all correct calls were massive hits. So they doubled, tripled, quadrupled, whatever their projection. Another really good week for massive hits. On the season, we are 81% accurate for the written article and 48% of all correct calls have been massive hits this season. So just looking really good. When it comes to the audio edition last week and the recommendations I made there with the corner one and two guys and the dart throws, so Carlton Davis surpassed his projection, Stefan Gilmore surpassed his projection, Razul Douglas met his projection, JC Jackson doubled his projection, and Benjamin St. Just doubled his projection. Those were the cornerback one and two recommendations. Dart throw recommendations last week, C.J. Henderson met projection. Deron Bland tripled his projection. Joey Porter Jr. surpassed his projection. Kendall Fuller doubled his projection. Patrick Sertain surpassed his projection. Tyreek Stevenson more than quadrupled his projection. Nate Hobbs is back and doubled his projection. And Marcus Peters almost tripled his projection. So last week for audio recommendations, we were 13 of 13, 100% correct last week. And this is corners. This is not predicting easy stuff. This is the most complicated, the most ridiculous position in IDP. And no one wants to touch this with a 10-foot pole. And we got 13 of 13 correct last week. So things are looking pretty good. Of those 13 last week, seven of them were massive hits. So looking good. All right, let's get into it. Week nine, let's start with the best matchups for the week. And you guys are not going to be surprised by any of this. You don't need me to tell you that Miami, Kansas City <clears throat> is probably the best matchup this week. So it's got a 51.5 over under, which is indicative of tons of scoring, tons of sustained offense, and a shootout, which is exactly what we want. The Miami Dolphins are the best passing attack in the league. The Kansas City Chiefs are the second best passing attack in the league. The Miami Dolphins target their wide receivers the third most in the league. Kansas City was fourth two weeks ago, dropped down to 16th after last week. But I think we got to take that with a, with a grain of salt, right? So it, there was 14 inches of snow in Denver. Mahomes had the flu. It, it was just a crappy down game. I, I do not really think we need to worry about that. The overall trend we've seen this season is that the Chiefs target their wide receivers a lot more than they did last year. So I think we're looking okay there. Uh, so Miami, Kansas City, this is actually an overseas game in Germany, 9.30 a.m. Eastern time on Sunday. I looked this up. The stadium over there has a open and closed retractable roof. So weather will not be a factor. So we are looking good for Miami, Kansas City. Also, Buffalo, Cincinnati, that could be very good. The only thing that gives me pause is the last time we saw this in the playoffs last year, it was not a shootout. It was a lower-scoring defensive struggle, and, and Buffalo, I don't even think, scored a touchdown, if I recall correctly. It, it was not great. So I'm hoping we get what we're supposed to get here, which is a 46.5-point over-under, likely shootout. 
looks like it's outdoors in Cincinnati. The Bills are the fourth best passing attack in the league. They have a top 10 ranking in terms of targeting their wide receivers. Cincinnati is the second best team in the league in, in terms of targeting their wide receivers. Cincinnati's overall passing offense ranking is still crap. It's still like 26 or something. It, that ranking hasn't caught up to what our eyeballs have seen the past three weeks here. Joe Burrow's back to being Joe Burrow. I see it everywhere. I see it in the box score, through my eyeballs when I watch the game. I have Joe Burrow as my quarterback for all 22. He's had green or blue scores the last three weeks. That tells me everything I need to know. Cincinnati's back to being Cincinnati in terms of their passing offense, so I could care less that ESPN.com says they're 26th. It's going to be fine. Hopefully we get the shootout we want here. This is an excellent matchup, Buffalo-Cincinnati. And then my third favorite matchup of the week is going to be Cowboys-Eagles. So this has got also got a 46.5 point over under. The Eagles are the sixth best passing attack in the league. Dallas is going to have to pass to stay with them, and that's really all there is to it. Plus, I've been a Cowboys fan my entire life, which has been interesting. And this current iteration of the Cowboys, at the drop of a hat, will stop doing what makes them successful and start doing dumb stuff. And that typically means stop running and start throwing to the wrong team, which I'm almost positive we're going to see this week. If Dak Prescott gets out of this game without an interception, my mind will be blown. But yeah, I think that's how that's going to end up. Cowboys are going to have to pass to stay with them. The 46 and a half point over under is indicative of a shootout anyway. Two division rivals, two teams with playoff hopes. So yeah, I think that's a good one as well. I think we got some val uh, value there. Some of the worst matchups for Week 8 include the Titans and Steelers Thursday night. This has got a 36.5 over under, which is very low. It, 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 I don't think it's the lowest we've seen this year, but it might be. It's very low. It's not good. That's Las Vegas telling us that this is going to be horrendous. There's not going to be many points scored. It's going to be hard to sustain drives. It's going to be a defensive struggle. So the Titans are the 28th ranked passing attack in the league, which is not good. Their wide receiver targets ranking is just as bad. I know everyone is on the Will Levi's train or Levis, however you want to say it. I get it. The, the guy threw four touchdown passes last week against the Falcons. The Falcons. The Steelers are not the Falcons, okay? When it comes to defense, I would be very shocked. I would be very surprised if Will Levis carved up Pittsburgh like he carved up Atlanta last week. Pittsburgh's just a different beast. So I, th I think the rookie is going to have a come-to-Jesus moment this week when he meets T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith and maybe even Cameron Hayward. Probably not, but Hayward can return sometime in the next few weeks here, it looks. But regardless, he's in for a bad day. And then on the other side, the Steelers' passing attack is just absolutely horrendous. It's in the worst third of the league. Their wide receiver's targets ranking is also in the worst third of the league. This is outdoors in November. So weather will be a factor. It just doesn't look good. I'm not touching Titan Steelers. I recommend that you don't either. All right. Some cornerback ones and twos that I think are pretty solid, looking pretty good for this week, include the following. So Miami, Cater Kohu. Cater Kohu is excellent regardless. He plays 100% of snaps every week. He's in that great matchup against the Chiefs, up against the second best passing attack in the league indoors in a likely back and forth game. Kater Kohu is a great option. 
Another great option that we just got back is Jalen Ramsey. So Jalen Ramsey played his first game back last week. We'll talk about this a little bit more later, but he played 92% of snaps. He secured an interception. He was looking good. I thought they might ease him back into the lineup. They did not. They just threw him right back in. So Jalen Ramsey also very easily could be a cornerback one or two this week up against the Chiefs. I like that a lot. On the other side of that matchup, Legereus Sneed, Trent McDuffie, both have very good shots to be cornerbacks one or two this week. So great setup for all four of those guys. Another guy I like quite a bit this week as a cornerback one or two is Stefan Gilmore up against Philadelphia. So Gilmore's just been fantastic all year. It's very likely he's going to be responsible for A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown, I saw some crazy stat the other day, hasn't been like under 125 yards receiving in like a month or something. He is just absolutely on fire and getting showered with targets. So, you know, Gilmore's going to have his hands full. And all we need is a few tackles and a pass defense, and we're looking good. Same setup as last week with Carlton Davis up against Stephon Diggs. I said the same thing, and we got the same thing. Just a few tackles and a pass defense, and we're looking good. I think Gilmore can do that for us. I also like Cam Taylor-Britt this week up against the Buffalo Bills, fourth best passing attack in the league. Very good wide receiver targets ranking. Cam Taylor-Britt will very likely be on Stephon Diggs. Uh, I think that's enough said right there. Plenty of work for him. And then my final favorite cornerback one or two this week would be DJ Reed up against the Chargers. So now that both DJ Reed and Sauce have passed the concussion protocol and both got to play last week, I feel a lot better about their situation. The first week back after a concussion is very risky. That's just something you've seen watching football since I was five years old. The re-injury risk is huge. They got past that. They're both past that. So we're going to see the lesser of two evils effect with DJ Reed that we've talked about all season up against the Chargers, who have the sixth best passing attack in the league and target their wide receivers the 10th most in the league. And that's actually a massive improvement. They were 21st in the league for wide receiver targets two weeks ago. And I believe it was that Sunday or Monday night game against Chicago really improved that ranking for them so that it's 10th now. So great setup for DJ Reed and to a lesser extent, Sauce Gardner as well. All right, picking it back up with some dart throws here. So some guys I like this week as pretty good ideas, not set in stone, but good ideas nonetheless are Jamel Dean and Carlton Davis up against the Texans. Texans have the 11th best passing attack in the league. They are middle of the pack for wide receiver targets, but we've seen that Stroud is uh, the real deal. He's legit. So I think both Dean and Davis are in a good position to at least hit their projection this week, and that's all we're really looking for here. Anything else is a bonus. Another guy I like this week is Steven Nelson of the Texans, so the reverse side of this matchup up against the Bucks. Steven Nelson is kind of like the sole survivor for that Texans cornerback core. Derek Stingley has been on IR for a minute. That They had to bring Tavier Thomas up to play third cornerback due to injury and whatnot. So Steven Nelson's the only starter that's still there, which leads me to believe that he'll be on Evans or Godwin. He will be on Evans or Godwin. And, and either way, he's going to get a ton of targets. Steven Nelson in a good position to have a good week this week. Also, Tyreek Stevenson of the Bears. So we saw this in that Sunday or Monday night game last week. He is just getting picked on. They know this guy's a rookie. They know that he's okay, not great. 
and he's going up against the Red Hot Saints passing attack, which has been very good the past few weeks here. I would know. I've got Derek Carr as a super flex quarterback in entirely too many places. I'm, I'm one ACL away from having a very bad rest of the season. They've been good. They've been real good the past few weeks here. And Tyreek Stevenson had something like nine combined tackles at halftime last week. So he is absolutely getting picked on. So he's in a great position this week to, to give us a good game. Also, Dante Jackson and C.J. Henderson of the Panthers up against the Colts. The Colts under Minshew are the 13th best passing attack in the league. They target their wide receivers, the 10th most in the league. They've just got a very good offense in general. So I, I think there'll be plenty of work for Anderson and Jackson. I think both those guys are in a good spot to at least hit their projections this week. Also another good dart throw, Deron Bland, Dallas up against Philly. So we literally saw this happen against the Rams last week, shying away from throwing at Stephon Gilmore and just going after Bland again and again. And how'd that work out for them last week? Not great. Deron Bland returned a touchdown to the house and had a massive game in the box score. I think we could see that again this week. If Gilmore is on A.J. Brown and, and if Bland is on Devonta Smith, it could be a big Devonta Smith week. It really could be. Regardless, we've seen this Deron Bland lesser of two evils effect all season, and he's in a great position this week with two very talented wide receivers on Philly to do that once again. So good week for Deron Bland incoming. On the reverse side of that, Darius Slay will very likely be on C.D. Lamb. That's my guess. It could be Bradbury, but I think it'll be Slay. The CD gets a lot of targets. That's the guy you want. The only thing they could jam us up with this is if Bradbury's on him instead, then it is what it is. Because Dallas targets CD a lot, and their tight end a little bit, and their running backs out of the backfield a little bit, and that's it. They do not target Brandon Cooks or Michael Gallup or any of those guys. They, they pretty much don't exist. So this is definitely a bit of a risk if you bet wrong. Uh, if it's Slay or Bradbury. But if we guess the right guy that's covering C.D. Lamb, I think we're in for a huge game. Last couple of dart throws here. So Teron Johnson, Buffalo, up against Cincinnati this week. So Teron Johnson, the biggest concern we've had with him all season is the playing time. It started bad, and it got a little bit better, and then it stayed mediocre for a while, and it was up to 100% of snaps last week. And I think it's going to stay there against Cincinnati. With that passing attack, with those super talented wide receivers, I can't imagine seeing less of Teron Johnson against that passing attack. So Teron is in an excellent position to produce this week. And then the last guy would be Sauce Gardner against the Chargers. Not as much as DJ Reed because teams tend to shy away from Sauce Gardner, but I, I think Chargers passing attack is good enough to get him at least his projection this week. So those are our dart throws and likely cornerback ones and twos for week nine. Let's look at some bad ideas that might seem good for week nine. And let's start with uh, Razul Douglas. So Razul Douglas was just traded to Buffalo from Green Bay. Great move for Buffalo. They're getting an absolute stud. This guy is a monster. The problem is this is going to jam up that cornerback core in a way that I, I, we just don't know. We just don't know what it's going to look like until we see what it looks like. I don't work for the Buffalo Bills. They're not going to tell me what they're doing this week. So we're just going to have to wait and see. Someone is going to lose their job or have a huge chunk of it removed. My guess would be either Dane Jackson or Christian Benford because Teron ain't going anywhere. 
But yeah, it's going to be a mess. And I don't think Razul is just going to drop in and get 100% of snaps right away. Also, despite the great matchup this week, I'd be a little iffy on plugging Razul Davis in, excuse me, Razul Douglas in his first game ever for the Bills. I wouldn't be surprised if he was a healthy scratch inactive, moving to a new city, learning the playbook, etc. It's not something that I think we're going to see this week. The week after, I think Razul Douglas will be good to go for the Bills, no doubt. And then another idea that might seem good, but definitely is iffy, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but it's true. So Nate Hobbs this week, we just got Nate Hobbs back. He only played 63% of snaps on that Monday night game against the Lions. And with that itty-bitty amount of playing time, he still gave us, I think it was six combined tackles and a sack. Just a monster game right out the gate from him, right after coming back from that month-long injury. So love Nate Hobbs. He's always an automatic start. I just don't think we can count on him to be like a home run this week. The Giants are the worst passing attack in the league. They are the worst, and they target their wide receivers the 26th most in the league. So towards the end of the pack, very bad ranking. So it's not a good setup for Nate Hobbs. He's getting eased back in after that injury, so he's not playing his full snaps yet. And it's a horrendous matchup, so just buyer beware with Nate Hobbs this week. It may not be perfect. All right, and we'll get out of here this week with some miscellaneous notes for Week 9. Starting with just a quick shout out to at FF Matt Lane, who's a guy on Twitter that I talked to in regards to cornerback streams and strategy. I, I, he's not the only one. My, my DMs are filled with guys that we talk nothing else other than cornerback strategy and streams. It's a crazy thing, but I love it. It's my favorite part of being on Twitter is having those conversations. So this guy, FF Matt Lane had a 5% chance of winning his matchup going into the Monday night game. And he read the article, he listens to the podcast, he fired up Marcus Peters, and he won. So just absolutely incredible stuff. In a real-life example, that's not for me, because I could be making these up, I'm not, but I could be. This is a real-life example from a reader and a listener of how a cornerback saved his butt in that Monday night game and won him his matchup last week. So really good stuff right there. Another couple few notes here. So Joey Porter Jr. continuing to climb up in the playing time. He was at 83% of snaps last week, still on his way to being a very good cornerback option for the Steelers. Not quite there yet, but definitely on his way. Uh, as I mentioned previously, Jalen Ramsey did play 92% of snaps in his first game back, so we're looking good there. He'll very likely be at 100% this week. A quick note. so. Uh, a couple people have told me that their site, league site, hosting site, whatever, some sites have incorrect designations. Uh, yeah, that's been a thing for a long time. Yahoo is not on top of things all the time. MFL doesn't have that problem because they have uh, baby positions and baby designations. But MFL's done it. Got Flea Flicker. I've seen it in a few places. Regardless, the point is, if there's an incorrect designation and it works in your favor, take advantage of it. If it goes the other way, then it is what it is. Just pass on it and move on. So an example of this, Cameron Bynum in a couple places this year is listed as a cornerback. Cameron Bynum is a starting safety for the Vikings, and he's been red hot the entire year. Safety in general is more consistent, reliable week to week when compared to cornerback. Just the nature of the position. They are uphill coming down towards the line of scrimmage. They can get run-stopping tackles. They can break up passes in front of them easier, et cetera, et cetera. 
Whereas cornerback, you're sticking on your guy or you're playing in a zone and you're just chasing one guy around. And if that guy you're guarding isn't getting targeted, you're not producing unless you're like a very special corner like Kenny Moore or some of these other guys we talk about that are good enough to get production and run defense as well or blitz off the corner, etc. But most of the time, safety is far more consistent, productive, and reliable than cornerback. So if you've got a Cam Bynum, a Josh Metellus, someone like that in your league that is really like a safety or a box safety, and they're designated as a corner, take advantage of that. Plug them in every week. You don't need me to tell you that this is a good matchup or that's not a good matchup. Doesn't matter. Plug them in. Use one of your cornerback slots for that cheat code. We call that a cheat code corner in, in the biz. So always take advantage of that. That's good stuff. All right, a couple other notes here. So both Marco Wilson and Benjamin St. Just continued their streaks. Both have not been under projection the entire season, and they kept that going last week. So good stuff there. Over on the Rams, interesting note here. So Kobe Durant, has inherited the star role that Jalen Ramsey had before he left and went to Miami. Durant's been just okay all season. He hasn't played perfect playing time. It's usually like low 80% each week. His production's been just okay. But two weeks ago, his playing time shot up to, I believe it was 100% of snaps, and his production shot up right along with it. And it looked like we were going to maybe see what we were hoping for out of that, which is him in that role with 100% of snaps producing like we know that role is capable of producing. If anyone remembers that star role when Ramsey was in it on the Rams, it was just insane. The amount of production we got out of that role every week was just insane. So it looked like Durant was going to step into that exactly two weeks ago. But then he got injured last week, so now he's right back down. I believe it was 18% of snaps last week. So it's not great. It's still up in the air. But that is something that could be happening in the next few weeks here. If you are in a much deeper league, you've got the bench space, and you're looking for a corner for the home stretch, Kobe Durant may not be a bad idea. This guy could end up being a star. But shh. All right. Moving on to the Colts cornerback core. It's a bit of a mess right now. So obviously, Kenny Moore is okay. If Juju Brents can play this week, he'll be okay. But beyond that, there's a lot of fluctuation and a bit of a mess. That's also happening with the Colts, the Raiders, the Broncos, and probably some other teams that I just didn't write down here. So now that we're into week nine, you can already see this. We just saw it at the trade deadline. Teams that know they don't have a chance are going into see what we have now mode. You'll see that. If a guy's struggling, he'll get replaced by a rookie or uh, a backup or whatever, just to see what they have and start looking at these guys that don't usually play in live game action to see how they handle it. So that is definitely a thing. It's a giant pain in the butt, and we're going to see quite a bit of it. Luckily for us, it, it mostly happens in like the cornerback two and three role. I'll stay on that the best I can, but the more iffy the corner, the more likely it is that's going to happen. You really want to have those guys on your team that we know are solid, the studs, the guys that play 100% every week and have been good options, not just this season, but for years. Those are the guys that we should have the most confidence in. Quick note on Philadelphia, they still do not have a legit third cornerback role filled at the moment. 
So this is part of the fallout from Avante Maddox getting injured way earlier in the season. They had Josh Joby, J-O-B-E, in there originally, and then they tried Bradley Roby and a couple other things. It looked like they rolled out Sidney Brown as a third safety playing that third corner slot last week. So they're trying lots of different things to try and replace Avante Maddox in, in that role. But uh, nothing has stuck yet, so we'll keep an eye on that. Because it's worth keeping an eye on because Maddox was, despite not having great playing time, very productive in that role over recent time. And last but not least, just a quick note on scoring setups in different leagues. So yeah, that's something I have zero control over. When I talk about meeting or passing projection, I'm talking about my leagues. And in my leagues, we score pass defense pretty high. We, we score like a tackles like two points, an assist is one, a pass defense is like three, something like that. We, we always bump up those stats so that corners have a chance to be relevant. That's not going to be across the board. All I can say with that is it is what it is, and you got to adjust accordingly. That is a huge thing. If you can, in the off season, talk to your commissioner or maybe put it out to a vote or whatever, increasing the points on pass defense really is a game changer. I've been in many leagues where that's happened and it's like a night and day thing. Cornerback goes from this forgotten position that no one cares about and it's the last thing drafted and you just pick a guy that the name and you leave him in there all year to something that actually matters and and something that can help you win your matchup and an X factor. You do need the correct scoring to make that happen, but it is what it is. If, If your pass defenses aren't scored highly, then you, you want to target guys that are more likely to get tackles, et cetera, et cetera. I'll still give you the best options I can across the board. And in the end, it is what it is, right? If that scoring setting is set for your league, everyone is under that scoring setting. So they're all under the same rules, right? Like it's not going to matter. It's going to work out. Anyway, I'm getting off in the weeds here, but just a quick note on that. And that's pretty much it. That is the week nine edition. Hope it works out for everyone. Good luck this week. And just real quick, any California area listeners, don't forget to check out the Touchdown Hoedown every Sunday from 1 p.m. to 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time at the Desert 5 spot. That is at 6516 Selma Avenue, Hollywood, California. For details, contact at Lamont562. That's at L-A-M-0-N-T. 562 on Twitter. Thank you everyone for listening. Good luck this week. We'll see you guys same time, same place next week. Have a good one. Take care. Bye-bye. This was the IDP After Show. <laughs>